0: Welcome back to the DIR show. First, some um, news about tomorrow, the next day. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to have a podcast on tomorrow, the next day, Tuesday, Wednesday. My son, the producer, without whom I cannot make this show, I am not uh, technically able to do this, uh, is unavailable for two days. And so... If you want to watch me, you can see some reruns or read one of my books, but you're not going to be able to see me live for the next two days. But nothing's going to happen. When I'm not on the air, nothing happens. Uh, So you're not going to miss anything. That's a lie. A lot of things happen. And a lot of things happened even between last Wednesday and, and today. By the way, my son has come up with a wonderful new term. You may have read that the um, Israelis went into the Nasser hospital, the largest hospital in the south of Gaza, and they found, uh, I don't know, hundreds of terrorists, uh, including some who participated in um, October 7th, some of them dressed as doctors, some of them dressed as medical staff. I don't know if any of them were dressed as patients, but they were using the hospital. Uh, They had used the hospital to hide hostages, uh, they had uh, used the hospital to hide the bodies of dead hostages. And so, Elan has come up with a new term to describe uh, these hospitals in Gaza. And it's called Ham Hospitals. Hum hospitals. It's his term. It's a great term, hum Hospitals. I just wrote an article. I borrowed it from him. That's what uh, producers and sons are supposed to do. So, thank you, Ilan, for the great term, hum Hospital. And uh, if it's a Hamas bowl, it's not, uh, it's not immune, it's not exempt, it's a military object. Now, when Israel goes into them, it should be careful not to hurt any patients or doctors. And It has been careful, and there have been no claims that uh, it has engaged in willfully killing patients or, or doctors, but it has arrested um, many, many, many dozens of, um, of terrorists who are hiding in the hospital. There's now been new evidence that Hamas actually is building... New facilities, medical facilities, mosque schools, deliberately on top of existing tunnels to give the tunnels protection. You know, that's a war crime. It's a war crime to use civilians to protect military the targets. And so everybody who does die, and people will die in wartime, as the result of these uh, hospitals and Hamaspa mosques and Hamas schools. Uh, I don't think you can apply it much more elegantly than to hospitals. Uh, are all the fault of of Hamas? All the fault of Hamas? And the world ought to be focusing on Hamas's responsibility for putting their own citizens in harm's way. Uh, Israel and Hamas have two things in common. Um, uh, the the most important thing is uh, how they deal with um, with uh, civilians. Uh, Hamas wants to. Uh, mock, maximize civilian casualties on both sides, wants to make sure as many Israeli uh, civilians are killed and as many Palestinians as possible are killed. They benefit every time an Israeli civilian is killed. And they also benefit every time a Palestinian civilian is killed. They parade them. Um, it's called the dead baby strategy. They parade them in front of cameras and, and they turn the world against Israel. So, uh, I have an article this week in GateStone in which uh, it's entitled, and the winner is, Dash, Hamas. Hamas is winning this war. It's winning this war by forcing Israel to engage in conduct that the world condemns. You know, it's like Golden Meir once said, we can perhaps forgive you someday for killing our children, but we can never forgive you for making us kill your children. And Hamas makes Israel kill Palestinian children by using them as human shields and putting them in harm's way. So that's one issue that uh, came up this week, and obviously we'll be discussing uh, variations of it in the future. The other is this absurd civil case in New York where this judge imposed an over $350 million fine without there being any proof of any damages being done. Uh, This was for his real estate business, Trump's real estate business. Um, You know, he may have overvalued his buildings. Everybody does. Uh, When people apply to be on Forbes list of, you know, the 500 richest people, they exaggerate. That's why Forbes does his own independent investigation. And that's why no bank, no bank, which has a fiduciary obligation to its uh, stockholders, no bank would ever accept what a borrower said is the value of his property. Of course, they all do independent analyses. They hire Armies of accountants, forensic people, um, they do architects. Everybody they do very careful analysis of the worth of a building. So when Trump says that Forty Wall Street is worth so and so, they don't believe it. When he says that um, Trump Towers is worth so and so, they don't believe it. Mar-a-Lago, they don't believe it. They they check. I hope they don't check, however, with this judge, because this judge <laughs> thinks that Mar-a-Lago is worth eighteen million dollars. As I said, I can get a bunch of you of my viewers, and uh, we'll chip in. We'll buy Marilago for $18 million and sell it for a billion. That would be a pretty, pretty good profit. Um, I mean, it was just absurd for the judge to value um, uh, mar a at $18 million and then to value the damages in this case at over $350 million when there was not a penny of damages. He came up with this cockamamie theory that, well, there was damage to the marketplace of ideas. No, 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 there wasn't. The marketplace of ideas is not based on what people say the value of their property is. It's based on what experts who analyze uh, the property say it's worth. So nothing, there was no harm, no foul, nobody was hurt. And so I think that this, uh, the verdict, the amount will be reversed on appeal. Look, Trump did one thing that clearly seems to be very wrong. He said that his Personal residence in Trump Towers is 30,000 square feet, which is pretty enormous. And it's closer to 10,000 square feet. Um, And for that, he should be fined uh, $10,000, $100,000. By the way, did the bank count on that? Of course not. They have have sketches of the building. They have, uh, you know, uh, analysis of the building. They just have to look at the sketch of the building and they'll see that his... um, uh, condo is ten thousand square feet not thirty thousand square feet so uh whether that was a typo or he tried to cheat and he didn't it was caught it doesn't matter you don't find somebody through three and 350 million dollars for one mistake which was more than made up for by by uh the judge's mistake in evaluating Marilago. so we'll get back to that because the new york criminal trial will soon be established remember i named my book, the title of my book, Get Trump. I wasn't smart enough to come up with that title myself. Uh, Get Trump is borrowed completely from Letitia James's campaign. That was her campaign, Get Trump. I may have to pay her royalties, my God, uh, uh, because I used her title. Uh, She campaigned on the promise that she would get Trump and she would Uh, make sure that he was, you know, put out of business and she wouldn't rest until she got him and she shouldn't be reelected unless she got him was her implicit uh, campaign pledge. And so now she's gotten him. I got Trump. She can run for reelection. We'll see what happens on appeal. So again, let me remind you tomorrow, I'll miss you. Wednesday, I'll miss you. Um, But I can't do the show without my son, the producer. So um, we're going to we're going to see you again next week. Um, okay today today i want to get back to forney willis um i will listen to every minute of the testimony in the case and if i were the judge i would look forney willis the district attorney of fulton county in the eye and say sorry district attorney willis i don't believe you're telling me the truth that's my view it's my opinion it's not a fact it's my opinion I believe she was not telling the truth. Let me explain why. We have firm, undisputed, indisputable evidence that her trips to the Bahamas to or the Caribbean, to Belize, to Napa Valley, we know who paid for them. They were paid for by her by her by her boyfriend Nathan Wade, who they claim, suddenly became her boyfriend after he hired her. But again, this is not a Some Enchanted Evening. I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. I'm tempted, but I'm not going to sing it. This was not a Some Enchanted Evening event where they met one night and they had romance and they had sex. This was a developing a friendship, and nobody will ever know for sure which night they first had sex on. And what does it mean to have a romantic relationship? Does it include kissing? Does it include... Necking, you know, when we were kids, it was first base, second base, third base. Uh, you know, in my neighborhood, if you held hands, you you had a romantic relationship. But we we not never know what day the romantic relationship started. But I don't believe her. I just don't believe her. Interestingly enough, when she was asked, but, but you don't have any proof that you paid her back, you paid her, her cash. She said, "Proof! I said it. I've testified." that I paid him back, and my testimony is proof. Well, what about the testimony of the woman who testified that your relationship with Nathan Wade began before you said it did? Why isn't that not proof? Uh, It's the same quality of proof, uncorroborated testimony. The only difference is her testimony about when the relationship began is a lot more believable than your testimony. Your testimony simply is not believable. That you paid every single penny back in cash, though you have no records of it. Not a single notation in a book, nothing, nothing, nothing. The only evidence you have is your father getting up in the stand and saying, Oh, you don't understand, Your Honor. You don't understand people out there. It's a black thing. It's a black thing. We keep money uh in our house, in our apartment, because you know, we can't get credit cards and we we don't trust. A black man paid with credit cards. Um, it's not a black thing. It's a thing. You know, my parents didn't have any money, but my mother always kept, you know, $20 in a little tea kettle. And uh, and I know friends of mine who were girls uh, were always told, if you're going on a date, make sure you have in those days. It was a $5 bill that could get you all the way from Brooklyn to Philadelphia. But uh, today it would probably be a $20 bill, but or it was called mad money, I guess but I don't believe you. I'm sorry. I just don't believe you. I, would I find you guilty of perjury? No, I don't. I don't have enough evidence myself to find you guilty of perjury. But if I had to check a box, yes or no, having heard Forney Willis's testimony that she paid back every penny that he paid for her, I would say, check the box that says, no, I don't believe you. Will the judge have the cojones to look her in the eye and say, well, you're the district attorney, you're elected major district attorney in the United States. I think you're a liar. No, he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. What I think he'll do is he'll either find that there's no disqualification, or if he finds there is a disqualification, he'll find it based on the appearance of injustice or the appearance of impropriety. What he'll say is, look, we'll never know the complete truth about what happened when the relationship began, how much money we was paid back, uh, we'll never know the complete truth about any of those things. But the appearances are—they stink, and 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 when the appearances don't pass the smell test, that's enough to uh, justify uh, uh, disqualifying uh, her and him. One other possibility, he may just disqualify him and allow her to continue to prosecute the case and appoint somebody else. You know, the evidence was not allowed about his lack of qualifications for the job. He apparently does good meetings. He organizes well, but that's not what the lead counsel in a case uh, is responsible for doing. He's responsible for preventing, presenting the case to the jury. And if you've never, never litigated a RICO case, let me tell you, this is not earn while you learn. RICO is a very complex, very difficult. I've litigated a a lot of them, mostly as an appellate lawyer and a consultant, but I know how complicated and difficult RICO cases are. And she never should have brought a RICO case in the first place, but she did. And now she appointed a guy who did mostly traffic cases uh, to be the chief prosecutor in a RICO case, paying him more than a much more qualified lawyer who, who was also brought onto the team. So the judge may very well just disqualify him, or he may disqualify both of them, or he may disqualify the whole office. I think he should disqualify the whole office because they now have a stake. Uh, And I think it would be best if he sent the case over to Cobb County, or I don't know whether this is possible under Georgia law, but sent it to the state attorney general to uh, prosecute In many states if you have a case of a recusal. Or something, the attorney general could could take over, and uh, it it would the appearance of justice would be much greater if in fact the uh, a different DA handled the case. This case has been all schmutzed up. I mean schmutz, it's the Yiddish term for dirt. It's been all it's been all dirtied by all these allegations. You know, first she didn't come forward and admit the allegations until much much later in the process. She didn't tell anybody about it. She said she's a private person, but she's a public official. And when you're a public official and you hire somebody to be a special prosecutor and you pay them at a state fund $650,000 and then you travel with them and there are records that he paid for the travel, you're no longer a private person. You're a public figure. And you're a public figure who has to prove it. And when you're a DA and you pay back money like that, any good lawyer would keep a record. You would say, I want to pay by check. I want to pay by Zelle. I want to pay by, you know, credit card. I want to do something that can prove it. Or I want to have a witness. Maybe I'll f- take a photograph of me paying the money back to him. And, and it wasn't a trivial amount of money. In some cases, it was, you know, as much as like $2,500. That's not just small change that uh, most people carry around uh, with them. So I personally do not believe she is telling the truth. I do not believe she paid the money back. I do not believe that their relationship conveniently became sexual or romantic uh, right after he already was appointed to serve as a special counsel. Also, we now know from one of the witnesses, he was at a meeting with her prior to the date that he said he was appointed as a special counsel so there's a conflict of testimony there as well again i don't know how the judge is going to rule i know how the judge should rule i don't know how the judge is is going to rule look what we're seeing going on is a is a terrible terrible distortion of our legal system everybody is weaponizing the criminal justice system we're going to hear from the letters people are complaining bitterly about me because I don't think that Mayorkas should have been uh, impeached. Look, I call it as I see it. Um, and I don't think Joe Biden should be impeached. I don't think Donald Trump should have been impeached. I don't think Bill Clinton should have been impeached. I do believe Richard Nixon should have been impeached, and he would have been impeached and removed had he not resigned. But I think he committed the only impeachable offenses under the Constitution, treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. All the other impeachments of high officials in our history, have been misapplications of the Constitution, and I argued that um, um, uh, in, on the floor of the Senate in, in Trump's first impeachment, and you know, successfully, and we got the Senate to you know, with an overwhelming vote, mostly partisan vote, to to uh, reject the claim that he should be removed. But then, you know, the Senate, in an equally partisan vote, votes to impeach Mayorkas on grounds very similar to the ones that they rejected in the Trump case. So the coin of the realm is hypocrisy. I'm not surprised. Uh, who was it, the philosopher who said hypocrisy, is the homage uh, vice pays to virtue. Well, what we're seeing mostly is vice, very little virtue. We're seeing pretend virtue, but mostly they don't even care anymore. Mostly, they're perfectly prepared to say, well, I'm voting for impeachment because he's a Democrat, or I'm voting for impeachment because he's a Republican, not because of what the Constitution says. We'll get to the letters, and we'll see how that how that falls out. But again, apologies for those of you who came in late. No Dersh show tomorrow. No Dersh show Wednesday. Back next Monday, when my son Elon can produce the show, can't do it without him. A lot of things I can't do without him. He's invaluable. Uh, to me, as I say, he coined this great term, which I hope will get into the current vocabulary, uh, Hamaspital, hospital That's what we're seeing in Gaza, these new hospitals, which are military bases for Hamas to engage in their criminal and terrorist activities and pretend that they're hospitals, war crimes, but Israel gets blamed for it instead of Hamas being blamed for it. Okay, let's see what the letters show today. Okay. I knew when they opened the Pandora's box of impeachment proceedings against Trump for stupid stuff, this is what in the world would happen. I appreciate your love of truth and the law. No, I predicted it too. I predicted it on the floor of the Senate. I said, when you allow an impeachment Based on these kinds of allegations in the Trump case, it was abuse of power or obstruction of Congress, made up charges have nothing to do with treason, bribery, other high crimes and misdemeanors. I knew it would lead to um, uh, tit-for-tat retaliation on the other side. Here's one. Interesting you would bring up Hamilton now, but not during Trump impeachment trials. You ignoramus. Go back and read my speech. Read my book about the speech. Go in the congressional record. It's all about Alexander Hamilton. It was focused on Alexander Hamilton. It was focused on the same federalist document. I quoted from it on the floor of the Senate, saying the most dangerous thing would be for impeachment to turn on the number of votes instead of on the guilt or innocence of the person being impeached. So you say, interesting that you bring up Hamilton now, but not during the Trump impeachment trials. You can't just make up facts. You could have asked me a question. You could have said, did you bring it up in the impeachment trial? Yes, but you assert that I didn't. That's ignorant. Go back and check, check me out, read it, and you'll see Hamilton is the centerpiece of my argument against Trump's impeachment and is the centerpiece of my argument against and impeachment. You can accuse me of a lot of things. You cannot accuse me of inconsistency. I have done the same thing, had the same principles, made the same arguments since I'm 15 years old. You can accuse me of being boringly simple-minded. You can accuse me of violating Emerson's notion that consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. You can accuse me of all of that, but you cannot accuse me of inconsistency. That's the one thing I am not, never have been, and hopefully never will be. Who knows? Um, Now, more on my archers. And did he faithfully execute the laws of the land? The standard of impeachment for a president is not the same as for a subordinate, is it not? It is exactly the same. And he did, perhaps, refuse to execute the laws of the land. That's not an impeachable offense. You said Biden did no impeachable offenses. What about bribery? Well, if you could prove bribery against Biden, while he is president, that would be an impeachable offense. But the bribery alleged is while he was vice president. And he's not being impeached as vice president. There are two issues there. Let's assume that we had a smoking gun and could prove that uh, Biden, while he was vice president, either accepted well it wouldn't be paid. So it would be accepted a bribe. Let's assume we did. Let's assume we had a videotape of it. There would still be two issues. Number one, can he now years and years later, be impeached as vice president. Now, the Democrats said he could be because the Democrats went after Trump after he left office. So that's one question. Can you impeach somebody for something he did while vice president and impeach him from being vice president, even though he's no longer vice president? Probably the answer is no, but Democrats have said yes. Maybe they would say no now. Second, can you impeach him as president now? because of an impeachable offense he committed while vice president. The framers, and I can guarantee you of this because I read every word of the debates, the framers never considered either of those two issues. For them, it was the paradigm. You're president, you commit an impeachable offense when you're president, you're tried as president, the chief justice presides, you're impeached, you're then sent to the Senate, the Senate two-thirds vote removes you, you're removed. That was the paradigm. All of these are variables. And we frankly don't know the answer to to these questions. Okay. Next one. This is a guy who really knows constitutional law. Thank you for teaching me. Uh, Deliberate and purposeful dereliction of duty is absolutely impeachable. Absolutely impeachable. No, it's absolutely unimpeachable. Why? Because the framers of the Constitution debated that issue. Somebody introduced a resolution. I think it was the senator from South Carolina introduced a resolution saying that we should have maladministration, which is what you're talking about, dereliction of duty, maladministration as a ground for impeachment. And the father of the Constitution, James Madison, said, no, 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 you'll turn us into Great Britain, a parliamentary system. And it was withdrawn. So we know the one thing that is not a criteria for impeachment is dereliction of duty. But you say, because you know it all, uh, Deliberately and der- dereliction of duty is absolutely impeachable. And you say it's not merely impeachable. It's execution worthy. Well, Constitution doesn't talk about that. I'm an expert on impeachment. It is not impeachable. That I can tell you. Okay. Dear Alan, if you were in charge of Israeli borders and consciously let in Hamas terrorists, would that qualify a treason? Would the shoe fit? And the answer is no, it wouldn't not under the American Constitution, I've never looked to see whether treason uh, is under the Israeli Constitution, but treason under the American Constitution is defined in the Constitution. It's the only crime defined in the Constitution. And it does not include that. It's basically taking up arms against an enemy. And, you know, it's what Aaron Burr was uh, accused of, by the way, acquitted of, too. So treason is very, very hard to prove, defined in the Constitution. And it doesn't include failure to take action. It's an affirmative act, not a negative act. OK, a few more. I agree with you a lot, but on this, Alan, you are wrong. He violated his oath of office for three years now, and he has repeatedly lied to Congress. OK, so let's, let's dissect those. Violating your oath of office is not an impeachable offense. That would have been the easiest thing in the world for the framers to say, but almost everybody has been accused of violating their oath of office. So no, that's not an impeachable offense and he's lied to Congress. Now, let me tell you something that will surprise you. Lying is not a crime. Lying is not a crime. Perjury is a crime. Perjury is not lying. Perjury is willfully lying about a material fact, not an opinion. And so what Mayorkas is accused of doing is stating his opinion that the border is safe. He was wrong about that. The border isn't safe, but that's not perjury, and it's not an impeachment offense. Next. So, dereliction of duty is not impeachable? Hmm. No. Dereliction of duty is not impeachable. Huh? It's not. It's right in the debate among the framers. You're wrong on this one. He broke his oath to the Constitution and to the people. He's a traitor. Well, traitor, that means treason. Traitor is a term that derives from the word treason or, or, or the opposite, uh, but, but they're related, and he didn't commit treason, and he's not a traitor. Uh, Dirschbag, you just keep getting worse. And it goes on and on and on. You know, every one of my letters batches always includes a couple of things like this. Uh, This coming from a child rapist? So who cares? How many times did you visit Epstein's Island, Dersh? As you know, the woman who accused me has now said she may have misidentified me, confused me with someone else. I visited Epstein's Island once with my wife and my daughter. We stayed one night with another professor and his wife. There were no other people on the island except him and his friend and some repair people. So, yeah, but uh, you can write it all you want. You can write it all you want. That doesn't make it true. And what we do is we live in an age where truth doesn't matter. We live in an age where a judge can find $350 Three hundred and fifty million dollars worth of damages when there are no damages, where a judge can find that Marilago is worth eighteen million dollars. Uh, we live in an age where uh, Israel is accused of genocide when it, you know, would be the easiest thing in the world for Israel to kill every single person who lived in Gaza. All they have to do is drop a, a few, you know, dozen bombs uh, all over the, do what the, what the United States did in Japan. target, you know, a a carpet bomb, or what uh, the United States did in Dresden or what the United States did in in Berlin, but they haven't. They've been going selectively. They've lost hundreds of their own uh, soldiers because they've been taking such great care to avoid civilian casualties because they don't benefit from any civilian casualties and because Israel's army is the most moral army in the world, along with America's army and a few other armies. So, uh, you know, you can make up all the facts you want, but we live in a post-fact world. We live in a post-honest world. Uh, and it spreads. It spreads from judges like the judge in the uh, New York case to Fannie Willis um, and to our students who are uh, now carrying you know, signs supporting uh, Hamas and talking about uh, the Palestinians as if they understood the difference between Palestinians and the Palisades or if they understood what river and what sea they were talking about. We live in an age of ignorance, a dark, dark age of ignorance that is falling upon our country. And it's largely the fault of our educational institutions that are not teaching students how to think critically. They're teaching students instead how to understand and accept propaganda. So I'm going to miss you for the next two days, but I'm looking forward to coming back soon. But keep the letters coming. And I'll maybe take an opportunity when we come back to read even more letters because I'm sure there will be more of them. But, uh, but uh, you know, uh, go on Rumble or YouTube and watch me, past shows if you want, read any of my columns or op-eds or my books. But uh, see you next week.